the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 40 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Estate Plan Attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from my soon-to-be former office in San Jose. I'm actually moving my office. It's a huge move. I'm going from Suite 308 in the two-building complex I'm in to Suite 200, which is in the other building in the complex I'm in. But I'll tell you something. If you've ever moved an office, and I have about an 800-square-foot office, if you've ever moved an office, even a short distance, it's amazing how much stuff you have to move. I mean, so what I'm finding, I'm probably going to be spending uh, all day tomorrow at my office boxing things up, and I've already blocked off two or three days next week to finish up because I want to get the move done to open my new office on August 1, which is, I believe, a Monday this year. And um, after August 1st, I'll be in my new office at 3535 Ross Avenue, Suite 200 here in San Jose. To kind of um, inaugurate my new office, I'm doing two of my estate planning workshops on Saturday, August 6th. Uh, In my new office, I actually have my outer waiting room, which is going to be set up permanently as a workshop room. There's room to hold about 18 guests uh, comfortably uh, for workshops. The workshops that I have are on estate planning, uh, basically uh, estate planning issues. If you're wondering whether it's something you should do, this would be a good workshop to come to. The uh, the registration is for 9 o'clock or 1045. I have two different workshops that morning. You can go to lawbob.com, and near the top of the page, you'll see uh, workshops and seminars. You can click on that button. It will take you to a page in my website where you can get more details about just what the workshops are about. And then at the bottom of that page, you'll see two buttons. And you can pick one of those buttons to register for the workshop of your choice. They're starting to fill up. We're about two weeks away now from the workshops actually being held. And uh, the spots are starting to be filled up. So I'd suggest if you do want to come, register now to assure that you'll actually have a spot available to you when I have my workshop. Because uh, I will accept people coming in. Uh, if they uh, just drop in, 
but that's going to be subject to availability and subject to other people who have registered will have priority over someone who just drops in. So if you want to be assured of your spot, assured of your spot, go to lawbob.com, click on the button for workshops and seminars in the middle of the page there, and then go and register at the um, at for one of the seminars. Registration is done through eventbrite.com. Uh, I use Eventbrite because uh, they do a very good job of handling things for me. And, uh, and you'll get confirmations and everything else so that it's all handled uh, electronically and magically in my mind. I, I think automation can be very magical. So I'm going to follow my usual format today. I won't be taking callers on the air. Um, my usual format is questions and comments from around the state of California. So I'm going to dive right in now. Out of Roseville, California, a person says, My dad disclaimed my mother's inheritance in their trust as separate property. Now, if that's the case, I assume what that means is that the trust provided for a disclaimer, and when the disclaimer happened, that property went into a bypass trust, an irrevocable bypass trust meaning it was for the benefit of the father, but that it was uh, irrevocable because it consisted of the mother's property. And uh, here it says, the trust states, the trust created as a result of the survivor's disclaimer may not be amended or revoked. And that would be pretty typical because it's an irrevocable trust. But then the person says, after my mother passed away, the estate attorney amended the trust, giving my father full authority to amend or revoke, at which time he changed the trust beneficiaries. How is it possible for the estate attorney to have amended the trust? Well, the question really becomes there, what part of the trust was amended? If there was about half of the trust that was the father's half of property, he would always be able to change the beneficiaries for his half. But if, the, if this amendment purports to give him the power to amend the, sir, the bypass trust, the disclaimer trust, that would be in direct violation of the terms of the trust and what the mother had agreed to when the trust was originally set up. And that would be subject to being attacked uh, later on when the father died on the basis that he actually had no legal authority to amend the bypass trust. <clears throat> so as to what this person should do, <clears throat> I don't know, perhaps, um, um, you know, it's kind of touchy because if you go and complain to your father, he might very well just remove you completely from, he, he may have already removed you but the thing is, if he's already removed you, you might want to go and complain to him that he's actually violated the terms of the trust set up by disclaimer. And assuming he's the trustee, um, the son might actually be able to go to court. And I know this is going to sound kind of extreme, but may actually be able to go to court 
and insist that the father be removed as the trustee of that bypass trust because he is acting in a way that is contrary to the terms of the trust. So that's just something to consider right there, uh, whether or not um, he could actually do that. And, and I think there would be authority for the court to remove the father as the trustee, at least of the bypass trust, because he really didn't have the authority to make a change like that. Okay, next question and comment from around the state. We've got uh, this one right here out of Palm Desert. Person said, I was named as an executor to someone's will. The executor is the person who takes over and handles um, the will uh, if it goes through probate. Now, this case, the person said, I was named as executor to a living will. I'm not sure if what they meant was living trust. An executor, they meant trustee. If it was executor, the person wanted to know, do I have a legal right to opt out of a living will? I guess the person says he doesn't want to serve as an executor or trustee. Do I have the right to simply state I'm not interested or, if necessary, sign a legal document opting out. Uh, I, as a single person who's never been married, prefer to have no legal ties to anyone, period. Well, first of all, someone can name you in their will or their trust to take over and handle things. That doesn't mean that you are legally required to actually serve in that capacity. In fact, um, there is no requirement whatsoever that you have to serve as someone's executor or trustee. If you were named as the executor of a will and there's someone after you, I'd inform that person, hey, I'm not willing to serve as the executor, and now it's you. You're the one who needs to take action. If your name's the trustee of a trust, similar kind of thing. And I would uh, suggest to them, if that's the case, Turn around and let them know that they need to take over and you're signed whatever paperwork's necessary to do that. Okay, we're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back, we'll have more Plan Your State Radio with your host, attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. And welcome back to the second segment of our show today. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And we'll move now to a question that came out of, let's see here, came out of Culver City, California. Culver City. I remember years ago when I was in college, I had a roommate who was from Culver City. As he used to always say, Culver City, heart of screenland. I guess because a lot of studios there. I don't know if there's still a lot of studios there, but certainly when he was growing up there, there were a lot of movie studios there in Culver City. So this person says, um, I worked for a friend in Culver City. He passed away recently. His friends and I want to have him cremated and have a service 
but the mortuaries are telling us that a blood relative has to sign a waiver first. We're having a hard time contacting his one living relative because they didn't get along. So what does this person do? They pretty much have to do what the mortuary says. And and if um, here's the deal, there may actually be nobody that has the authority to deal with this person. And ultimately, if they want to do this, the friends might have to get together and petition the court down there in Los Angeles County for authority to follow through with those with those wishes that they have and give notice to the to the sister I assume it is that um, that they're intending to do that and uh, and then see if a court's willing to actually um, actually grant them the uh, ability to take over otherwise if they don't have the authority ultimately if there's no one with the authority you're looking at having the um, statutory guardian, the public guardian's office there in Los Angeles County actually take over and handle the disposition of remains of this friend of theirs. That's just kind of the way it'll work. Out of Los Angeles, California, someone has asked the question, um... What's the maximum monetary gift one can receive without having to pay taxes in California? I'm wondering about taxes I have to pay if my aunt was to give me some money as a gift. Let's understand something. Uh, If something is truly a gift to you and not uh, actually income masquerading as a gift, well, then there is no tax consequence to you. Depending on the amount of the gift, there might be a gift tax consequence to the person making the gift. But there's no tax consequence, no tax consequence to you for receiving money or property as a gift. So uh, we're talking about income tax. We're talking about inheritance tax. We're talking about gift tax. So that's kind of the short answer to that question. That was an easy one. All right, but here's one. Here's another easy one, but if you've been listening to my show for any length of time, you'll understand why. Again, out of Los Angeles. Here is a... Okay, there's an irrevocable trust with a schedule of life insurance policies. So I guess it lists several life insurance policies as being owned by that trust. The policies were never put into the trust, even though there was an initial intent to do it later. Now, understand, they're on a schedule. Ten years later, the owner of the policies, presumably also the person that set up this irrevocable trust, put beneficiary designations on the insurance policies. Now, that action by the owner of the policies who was also the creator of that trust, clearly, in my mind, would indicate a different intent than to have these insurance policies be in this trust. The person wants to know, could you use a Hegstat petition to get the insurance into the trust? I would say the answer is no. 
And that is because the evidence appears clear to me that even if they were intended to be in the trust originally, they were never actually transferred to the trust ownership. The trust apparently was never even designated as the beneficiary, and the owner subsequently actually designated one or more beneficiaries on the insurance. Based on that, a Hegstep petition uh, would likely fail because the evidence of intent is actually uh, goes away because the person changed the beneficiaries on the policies themselves. So I don't think a Hegstat would work in that situation. Here is someone asking, again, out of Los Angeles. Los Angeles is very busy today. Out of Los Angeles, how can I get a copy of my mother's trust that she set up? My mother has dementia, and nobody knows where she placed her trust, meaning that the trust document is missing. Well, the short answer is, first of all, look everywhere in the house. Look in every box, under every bed, in every closet, you know, behind piles of clothes, throughout the garage, everywhere possible. If you don't know where, then the second thing is, I would suggest if the person owned a house, look at the title recorded. Get a copy of the deed, hopefully putting the house into the trust, and see if there's information on the deed that lets you know just who it is that uh, prepared the trust for the mother. Because if it was an attorney or a service that did that, they may very well have a copy of the trust document. And if that's the case, they would be able to provide a copy to the family so that they can actually, uh, so they can actually uh, uh, do whatever is necessary to, um, to do whatever is necessary to, to actually do the administration of the person's estate now that they have died. Uh, Beyond that, uh, maybe contact the Los Angeles Bar Association, uh, maybe the Estate Planning Bar Association there, and see if they can uh, publish on their listserv of attorneys uh, that that who you are and that you're trying to locate a copy of your mother's trust. And then maybe the attorney that did the drafting We'll see that and might be able to contact you and provide a copy of the trust, especially if they are engaged to do administration of the trust after the person has died. Okay, we're coming up on the mid-show break. When we come back from the mid-show break, I will continue with some more questions and comments from around the state of California. But until then... Uh, Have a good break there. Get yourself something to drink. Visit the restroom. And we'll be back in a few minutes for more Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. 
So here we are in the third segment of our show today, and I'm going to go through a few more of these, a uh, few more of these situations from around the state, and then uh, maybe finish up the show today with some general discussion of estate planning and the law. Okay, what tax problems could my son have if I quit claim my real estate to him? This is in Modesto. Person says, I'm terminally ill. I owe $150,000 on my mortgage. The fair market value of my home is $290,000. I want to know what tax problems could my son have if I quit claim my property to him now. Well, probably the main potential one is if the son is not living in the property and you quit claim the property to him now, that will trigger a reassessment of the property taxes for the son and, and the house will go up to um, probably an assessed value of about $290,000, which depending on what your current assessed value is, which might be quite a bit lower, the property taxes will go up quite a bit. The second thing is, if you give him the property as opposed to having it pass on to him at death, he receives as part of that gift whatever the value of the property was when you bought it called your cost basis, your income tax value. If he then turned around and sold the property after you died, then he would have to pay income tax on the difference between what you originally paid for it and what he and what he sold it for uh, after costs of sale were subtracted out, so that could be so that's two potential bad tax problems right there. One dealing with property tax, one dealing with income tax. In a case like this, I would suggest to the person put the property into a simple revocable living trust, leaving it to your son. Then when he dies, maybe the property taxes go up, but he'd be able to sell it for its full fair market value without paying any income tax on the sale. So he could cash out, uh, basically cash out the equity that you built up over the years, over and above, uh, after paying off the mortgage. And that's going to be overall the best tax result for the son, assuming that's what they actually end up doing. Okay, now out of Glendale, California, we have a kind of an interesting situation. Here, what the person was talking about was, um, let's see, a couple had a trust agreement which named and specifically left out wife's prior children. What I think that means is named the prior children, but disinherited them. Uh, left them out. I guess that's what the person means. They were left out. Upon the death of the spouse, the wife has um, her attorney create a new trust, but does not list all of her natural children, stating she only has two, not four children. First of all, I don't know what the attorney is doing, um, leaving out two of the children that the person wanted to have disinherited. I suspect that 
the wife did not tell the attorney about those two other children. Um, but only said, I only have two children and didn't mention the other two. She didn't want to get anything. Question, does the successor trustee have to serve the notice under 1606.1.7 of the probate code on all of the natural children? I would say the answer is yes, because that notice um, the way it's been mostly interpreted by, by attorneys and courts, as, as I've seen it, is everyone who would be named in the trust has to receive the notice, and everyone who would be the immediate heir, the intestate heir of the person, also has to get the notice. And that would include all four children. Now, the purpose of the notice is so that the children that were disinherited uh, have an opportunity to challenge that trust in some way, they might very well challenge that trust on the basis that, hey, clearly this was a mistake. We were left out of the trust. We're her children. She didn't even name us. Some kind of mistake was made, so we should be written into the trust and get an equal share with the other two children who were named. Um, that could fly but the other children would probably produce the prior trust showing that they were disinherited. Ultimately, it would be up to a court to decide whether or not there should be any um, any consideration given to those children who were not even named in the trust. Was it an oversight, or was it just the mother's way of being maybe a little bit nasty about it? Okay, now here's a question about do we need to go to probate? This out of Lancaster, California. The person says, I'm named as successor trustee on a trust. The original trustee has passed away. I'm also named as the executor of that person's will. Some assets are in the name of the trust and some are not. Do I need to go to probate? Well... It's a legitimate question, and it's a fairly complicated answer. First of all, if the assets not in the name of the trust were identified in a schedule of assets in the trust, or perhaps would be covered by a general assignment of property that was signed by the person, covering the category of asset, like financial account, brokerage account, things like that, if there was other written evidence of intent that those assets, not in the name of the trust, be trust assets, then a Hegstat petition would probably be appropriate, and you don't actually have to do a probate proceeding. If, on the other hand, there is no evidence like that, and there's a will that turns says everything's to turn over to the trust, then probably a probate will be needed in order to probate that will so that ultimately those assets make it into the person's trust to be distributed according to what the trust says. That being said, wait, there's more. I feel like I'm on one of those home shopping networks, but wait, there's more. On the other hand, if the total value of the assets not in the trust is less than a prescribed number, 
then you may not have to go through the whole probate process. You may be able to use what's called a small estate affidavit. Now, that's a relatively small number. I'll tell you, if it's a couple hundred thousand, it's going to be too much. You're going to have to go through the probate process. If it's a hundred thousand, you can probably do the small estate affidavit, which is certainly something to uh, consider as uh, an alternative to to actually going uh, going through the whole probate process. Okay, out of Los Angeles, someone asked the question or sets up this situation. When I separated, I revoked my estate documents and I notified my wife. Then I did all new documents, a durable power of attorney, health care directive, and a will immediately after I separated. I did my own pour-over will and trust after the divorce was filed. My wife was specifically removed for all inheritance and control in these new documents. After the divorce is final, will I have to redo them again? Will I need to amend them in any way? For example, stating I'm no longer married. I would recommend that. It doesn't have to be really, really complicated uh, because you could you could literally amend and uh, just indicate that uh, that you're no longer married, and, and that would probably uh, take care of things right there, uh, doing it that way. But I would likely uh, recommend that someone consider um, consider actually doing some brief amendments of some kind to um, to get that taken care of. Okay, we're coming up on the third break of the show today, and uh, wait a minute. Stop. Reverse that. Uh, we have a couple minutes left in this segment. And I just wanted to remind everyone that I do have two estate planning workshops coming up on August 6th, which is a Saturday morning, one at 9 o'clock in the morning, one at 1045. The workshops are about an hour 15 long, so you're not going to be sitting there bored out of your minds for a couple of hours while someone like Bob drones on and on and on. Uh, my workshops are actually very lively. They're very informative. They're also um, sometimes humorous. And uh, I, I suggest and I guarantee that you will learn a lot. You will be entertained and uh, you will come away with a lot of useful information uh, and also the opportunity to then go forward and book a consultation with me if you'd like to come in and talk in more detail about some of the things that were actually raised in the workshop. So we're coming up again on the uh, third break of our show today. And when we come back, we'll be finishing the show with more Plan Your State Radio. This is attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll talk with you after the final break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back to the final segment of our show today. 
Well, I've run out of questions and comments, so now we have to do freestyle. Or as my wife would say, having grown up in Chicago, all skate. Um, <laughs> I apologize for my engineer today. He li- he likes to... Uh, uh, all right. So so tell me, Mike, is Chewy here today? Hey, Chewy. Good to hear from you. It's it's been it's been a while, been a while. So um, we have just um, a certain number of minutes in this last segment, and I wanted to just suggest to everyone out there: this is as good a time as any for you to consider actually getting estate planning done. Um, as I am fond of pointing out to myself when I look in the mirror every morning, you're not getting any older. Excuse me. You're not getting any younger. Um, I wish I was getting uh, younger and not older. But the fact of the matter is none of us are getting any younger. And the likelihood is, uh, in fact, I would say there's a certainty that none of us are going to get out of this alive. That's just kind of the way life is. Uh, I wish it wasn't that way, but I can tell you honestly, in my experience, that, uh, yeah, none of my clients so far that have done planning um, uh, ahead of time have ended up um, have ended up living beyond their appointed time. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous in a sense, but really, that's what we're talking about. I am finding now that I have been in practice uh, as long as I have, that I am starting to lose clients who have passed away. It's just a fact. And I can tell you that one of the things that is absolutely essential is that people really consider doing the planning for their families while they're still able to do so. There are fewer things more maddening for me as an attorney than having families come to me and I find out that there could have been a plan done, but they didn't actually get any planning done. And as a result, the family now has to go through the probate process or has to do... um, it basically has to do a whole bunch of things that could have been completely avoided if they had done the planning in advance. I think it is a good time now to consider booking a call with me. You can go to my website at lawbob.com, click on the button that says book a call. That will take you to a page where you can select either a phone call consultation, a Zoom consultation, or an in-person consultation in my office. Yes, I do in-person consultations. I will let you know, mask is optional. I'm not worried if you don't want to wear a mask. If you would like me to wear a mask when you come to my office, just let me know and I will put a mask on when we meet. I have no problem masking up for my clients that have indicated um, that they would like to actually have me masked. So, with that in mind, please consider, please, please, please consider actually getting the work done 
getting your estate plan done because there's no better time than the present. I have um, availability through the end of the year. I do have a regular amount of work that I'm doing between court petitions and planning, but there's always room for one more at my table. So um, if you want to go ahead and book, just go to lawbob.com, click on the book a call and follow the instructions and you'll be able to see me. Now next week, I have very little availability because as I mentioned near the top of the show, I'm in the process of moving my office, physically moving my office, in this case across the courtyard to the other building. Um, I wish everything was on the ground floor, but instead I have to take elevators up and down and that gets to be kind of annoying after a while. But uh, I'm not going to be very available next week. And then uh, the week uh, after that, I'll be in my office and there will be much more availability, uh, much more availability uh, going forward. And then the week after that, the middle of the week, I'll be heading off to Walt Disney World with my family. We're taking... Yeah, that's the place. And, uh, and and I'll be going there with my family as we have our last, uh, you might say, our last hurrah before my children start school in, uh, in August, because that's actually when they're going to be uh, going back to school is in August. And they'll be starting at a new school, uh, specifically uh, Notre Dame High School in San Jose, and I'm very excited about them going there. Um, I think it's going to be a very good experience for them. If you know San Jose and you know the high school I'm talking about, I think you, uh, hopefully, I think you'll agree with me. And uh, so that's pretty much it. Um, again, the workshops coming up specifically take an approach uh, where I go through a series of estate planning situations or, or situations that people could consider in the planning process. And I ask people to ask themselves, are these actually situations that apply to you? Meaning apply to you as an individual. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.